Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and training camp day four has come and gone as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 258. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Ben Fennel and Chris McPherson about everything that's happened at the Novacare Complex in a blast. Uh, seven, eight hours or so, not that we're counting. Doug Peterson spoke at 9 a.m. to reporters. Practice started around 10.30. It's Thursday. There's a lot that's happened as we're going to cover as much of it as possible here on today's show. But before I get to that, one piece of content that I just want to tease. Go check it out. We're going to be talking about a lot of rookies today, spoiler alert. And, and one guy who has really caught my eye from this rookie class is wide receiver Quez Watkins. Doug Peterson actually singled him out today as a young player who has stood out. Well, if you're looking for a film breakdown on Quez Watkins and what he brings to the NFL, you are in luck because he was the subject this week on my rookie film room series over on the Eagles YouTube page. I dove into a bunch of film of him at Southern Miss, the good, the bad, everything in between. Go check it out now and you can see all of the film breakdowns that I've done on this rookie class over on the Eagles YouTube page. I've done everyone now except for Prince Tegawanogo and Casey Toole. So all the other rookies are on there. Do me a favor, go check them out. All right, so what happened today at practice? It's time now for Chris and Ben. Let's dive into our chat in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, guys. Well, as I said earlier, a lot of really good stuff to come out of uh, Thursday's practice as I welcome in Chris McPherson, Ben Fennel. Guys, uh, welcome back to the show. C-Mac, we'll go to you as we have over the last couple of days. We'll go to you first for the injury notes, the, the scheduled days off, depth chart stuff, uh, just to get that out of the way. All right. So what did we talk about with the scheduled days off yesterday? Okay. When word was circulating that it was Fletcher Cox who was going to have the scheduled day off. And what did I say? Why don't you wait until an actual day of legit practice? And not that yesterday's practice wasn't legit, but it was very much light. They were, it was about as close to illegit as it gets. You know, it was, it was a glorified (laughs) walkthrough. Okay. So it was such a walkthrough that, you know, realize that Fletcher did practice and that today, was his maintenance day. So he wasn't out there today. The only new injury was Josh Sweat was uh, sidelined with an illness. I'll just quickly go through the other injuries. You know, Derek Barnett, Dallas Goddard, Javon Hargrave, Sidney Jones, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott. Those players did not practice as well. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, we'll talk about him later on the podcast, but he was fully back out there finally, and we got to see the first-team offensive line fully concocted. They were out there yesterday together, but obviously much different since the pads were back on on Thursday. Yep. So that so, is your injury updates. Yeah. So uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, as you mentioned, you know, working with the first group when they went with two receivers, so those two tight end sets, it was Deshaun Jackson and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, Corey Clement did work with the first team at running back, obviously with no Miles Sanders, no Boston Scott. With Dallas Goddard still on the sideline, Josh Perkins was the second tight end. And as you mentioned, that first team offensive line intact for the first real action. So it was just good to be able to see uh, all five of those guys in uniform, in pads, playing in team periods, you know, the whole thing. It was good being able to see that whole group working together. 
real quick. So I have like a long list of players that I want to hit on today. And I didn't know like where to start. I'll just talk about like the receivers first. And I guess we kind of have already been talking about JJ. So we'll talk about JJ, I think, on Whiteside. It was great to see him out there working with the first unit. You know, I, I got out there right for the beginning of uh, the one-on-one drills. So wide receiver DB one-on-ones. First rep, he's working against Darius Slay. So he's on the, on the defensive left side, the offensive right side. Wins on a slant route. He kind of uses his play strength, fights through contact, makes the catch with Slay on his back. Really nice job. And then I'll tell you what, the later on, right after that, they went into like a wide receiver DB like release drill. So like the, their corners are working on press coverage along the sideline and the receivers are trying to get off the jam. JJ had the best release out of the whole group. Yeah, I think he was going up against Nikel Roby Coleman. Real quick, shook him at the line, was able to get, and get a nice clean release. Just a, a good start, uh, I guess, for JJ, uh, just to be able to see. And then the first team period caught a nice dig route from Carson Wentz on his first target in 11 on 11 action. So let's go back to this time of year ago, okay? JJ was tearing it up every day in training camp. He had that outstanding performance. I believe it was against Baltimore in the preseason. If you were to fast forward and say that JJ wasn't very productive, struggled as a rookie, you might have said, well, at the time he was like kind of fourth in the pecking order. You weren't expecting a whole lot of him from a playing time standpoint because you had the veterans ahead of him, but at least he was impressive each and every day in camp. I remember Deshaun Jackson was taking him off to the side for lessons like every day, staying after practice to work with him on the finer details. But here we are a year later. The Eagles used three draft picks on the wide receiver position. J.J. didn't have the rookie season that he would have expected. And he said today, look, he bowed through some injuries. But overall, it is what it was, okay? He wasn't happy with how he performed, but that's in the past. He's healthy. He's coming with the right mindset. And he's ready to go in 2020. And just like what Greg Ward said when he talked with me yesterday, he's embracing the competition, okay? He's looking forward to the fact that, all right, you're going to bring in all these guys. Plus, you have Deshaun back. You have Alshon waiting in the wings. Let's do this. Let's do, do the competition and find out who's going to be the best guy to be out there on the field come week one against Washington. Well, Fran, when a guy's going from his rookie year into that sophomore campaign, what are you looking for as far as on the field? You know, he's that much more comfortable. He knows how to get to work, knows where the locker room is. You just want to see him moving faster in and out of the huddle to his spot. I don't need him to be a mentor to the young guys yet. But I just want to see that next step and just playing faster, both mentally and physically. And I think we're starting to see that. He just looks a little more comfortable out there and within himself and in that receiver group. All cards on the table. He did have a drop in a team period a little bit later in practice. Uh, It was definitely one of those focus drops where it was an in-breaking route from Carson Wentz. And you could tell he peaked upfield before he secured the ball, uh, you know, into his frame. But, you know, outside of that, I thought it was a good first day of, of real action uh, for J.J. But you saw some really good things. Again, it's not like the wins were coming against the second and third defense. I mean, he was able to get that win against Darius Slay in one-on-ones. And, and you're, able, you're able to see him work against some of the starting units. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, man, he was best player on the field on Thursday. Oh, you know, let, let's, let's write it off. He's definitely a starter. I'm just saying good first day. For JJ, I, I thought it was a good sign. And, and C-Mac, I agree. A lot of the good stuff that he said uh, today, one of the things that stood out to me was just he's cognizant. But hey, like I did underperformed last year. Like I, I know I didn't meet uh, expectations. You know, he talked about how he bought the jugs machine and stuff like that for his house, for, for his everyday workout during the offseason. Said all the right things today, I thought, with the media after practice. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. A couple other receivers really stood out to me today. Jalen Rager had another good day. 
But John Hightower had his best day yet. Really good one-on-one session. It was his first rep. It was also actually uh, against Darius Slay. Got a nice release on the outside. Slay kind of worked him out towards the sideline. But you saw those jets from, from Hightower where he was able to kind of kick it to an extra gear. And Slay is starting to play as if, oh, oh man, like he's going to try and beat me over the top. Real quick, slammed on the brakes, worked back to the sideline. Picture-perfect comeback route. And Carson, the ball looked like it was out early, like anticipation throw, because the ball was right on him as soon as he turned. And Carson hit him right between the eight and the two. It was picture-perfect. Like, it was – I guess you got to give Carson credit on that as well uh, for the anticipation on the throw. It was a one-on-one drill, but love seeing the timing down uh, with those two guys. And, again, when you're talking about those speed receivers, because same thing with Quez Watkins, it's not just the speed alone. The speed alone will get you to a certain level, but if you're going to be a starting receiver in the NFL, you've got to be able to know how to use that speed to your advantage. And, and for John Hightower to say, like, all right, I'm going to try and sell speed as if I'm going to beat Slay over the top. Now watch him work in the comeback route. Now we're cooking with gas. I thought that was really good. It was just start of uh, some really good stuff for Hightower. You know, and that was something that Marquise Goodwin really perfected coming into the league, being more of a track star, vertical, linear receiver. But he was all stops and goes. You perfect that vertical route, now start working in the stops and the comebacks. And we know Quez Watkins and John Hightower can run. Now it's all those nuanced routes really selling and being deceptive to the defensive back. And Darius Slay, man, this kid needs a day off soon. I see him out there a ton running with these young, speedy receivers, lots of reps, <laughs> mixing it up with the old guys, the young guys, inside, outside. I wouldn't be surprised to see a uh, off day coming for the veteran corner pretty soon. And you know what I love too, Ben? And we talked about a lot yesterday, right? The veterans working with the young guys. You'll see Darius Slay working with the younger corners, you know, with Avante Maddox and Rizul Douglas and Sidney Jones. He'll also, I noticed today, he was working with the, the receivers, you know, working with J.J. Ortega Whiteside on his releases. Hey, do, you know, if I do this, like attack me this way. I wasn't right there, so I couldn't hear all the coaching points, but it was cool to see him working with some of the young receivers. He was working with Hightower. He was working with J.J., all the guys that were over to that side of the field. And this is a guy that, like, he's not, you know, bowing out of practice, like, at all. He wants every single rep he can get. Just a, a really cool just kind of see the veteran come in as a newcomer and have that kind of presence. You think about Slay, he's had individual success. He's right. been to the Pro Bowl three straight years, but he has not won at all from a team standpoint in his time in Detroit. So he understands what he's coming into. He's, a, he's instantly a leader. Okay, he has that cachet. Everyone's looking up to him. He has that, that swag in the locker room, okay? But he understands that if I'm going to win, I need Avante Maddox and these young corners and everyone else to get up to speed. I need the receivers. If I got to develop these guys quickly, do what I can, I got to get them up to speed as quickly as possible because I need them to win. I'm not going to win it all by myself. I've been a pro bowler. I've done what I can. I need the guys around me to be better. I need those other 52 guys and everyone on the 16-man practice squad to be able to contribute if we're going to have team success. One of our editors, Mike O'Connor, put out a a really cool highlight on Darius Slay, which you can check out on the Eagles' uh, social media channels. Make sure you go check that out. Some of the good stuff that he's done throughout the course of camp. Real quick, just put a ribbon on Hightower. He had that comeback route. He had another nice route later in the drill on a slant for a catch. He had a diving catch in the middle of the field uh, against Razul Douglas in the second team period. That was a throw from Nate Sudfeld. He had he dove full extension, went to the ground, was able to come up with the catch, really nice catch by Hightower in the middle of the field. And then one of the big highlights too, caught a really nice deep ball from Jalen Hurts. He was in double move, might have even been a triple move down the field, lost the corner in coverage and made the play, tracked the ball over the shoulder. It was beautiful. Uh, really nice catch from uh, John Hightower. So again, 
just kind of seeing some good things. We've seen good things from Hightower. We've seen good things from Rager, who made some really nice catches today as well, was able to get open on slant routes and down the field. And then Quez Watkins. We've seen Quez Watkins making big plays. So really cool just to be able to see all these young receivers, uh, especially from these, the rookie class, all making big plays, guys. I mentioned uh, some of the stuff we saw from Jalen Rager. Carson Wentz today made some, like, silly silly throws that were just like really 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 impressive it was in that the last team period i think the second to last team period as well it was a blitz heavy day for the defense right so there was a lot of pressure going at all the all three quarterbacks today and you could see like carson having to make some off-platform throws there was the one i forget who it was that got into the backfield and sacked him. it might have been out uh it might have been singleton i forget who it was got into the backfield sacked him and he's just like, all right, I'm just going to go off and make a play. And he like kind of like jumps up in the air, falls away from the throw, flick of the wrist, and sticks this throw into J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the middle of the field, perfectly placed. It was just like this ridiculously athletic play. And then on the very next snap, Carson Wentz drops back, might have been off play action, drops back, and he zips this ball into Jalen Rager in traffic, middle of the field. It was a great catch by Rager, both hands full extension, the hands catch away from the body. But Carson just stuck it into a tight window, and Rager came down with it. To me, like I said, I think I said this uh, yesterday on the live stream with Dave Spadaro during practice. We're past the point now of like evaluating Carson Wentz and every throw in practice, right? Like we're, I think we're past that point in his career. But to me, watching Carson this year, it's about working with these young guys and like seeing the timing, seeing the trust. So seeing that anticipation with John Hightower in the one-on-ones, seeing the trust that he's had with Jalen Rager. Almost every day, he's making really impressive throws to Rager in the middle of the field. They, you know, whether that's uh, you know, around midfield or whether that's down in the red zone, he was again working with Rager one-on-one on the sideline uh, at one point today. Just seeing the trust in these young guys with Carson, I think is really good to see, a really good sign moving forward. And by default, he's always going to be grouped in with that number one pick, Jared Goff. And when they were drafting that 2016 draft, we're all watching Jared Goff in his fifth season on Hard Knocks nationally every week. So, Fran, like, you know, what's the kind of aesthetics around Karsten Wentz? Taking football aside, you know, how does he feel out there? You know, just being in his fifth year and the aesthetics around the team, his leadership, his confidence. You know, what's the next step for Carson Wentz away from football? Yeah, I feel like, and C-Mac, I know you've been in on uh, all of his media sessions so far. It's same old Carson in terms of like his comfort level and just his confidence, right? His demeanor. I don't think any of that has changed. He does look bigger and stronger this year. I know that was talked about very early in camp when he first showed up. Just put on some weight like, and some good weight, like looks good, looks strong, still has maintained that athleticism. It's been, he's been a joy to watch. He, he's made throws every single day. They make you say, yeah, that's, that's Carson Wentz. He's been mature since he came to his team. Right, yep. You know, he was drafted knowing that eventually he was going to be the franchise quarterback. And the way things worked out with the injury to Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota, it accelerated the learning curve. And Carson Wentz was the week one starter in 2016 and had that historic rookie campaign and then lit the league on fire in 2017 and would have taken MVP honors if he didn't have the knee injury. But to your point, Fran, He's up to 250 pounds, I believe. I agree. Looks great. You know, dad strength, whatever you want to call it. But it's his team. That's the thing. It's been his team for a while now. I think he's comfortable in this leadership role as as a franchise quarterback. It's just you're hoping now that you get to see from healthy offseason transitions to a productive season. And then eventually you want to see him have success in the playoffs. That's really, at this point, the one thing that's separating him from being in that elite category is that he just hasn't had the postseason success as of yet. 
and entering his fifth year, I just feel like there's nothing new for him now. He's seen it all. He's gone through the injuries. He's gone through backup offensive linemen, signing receivers off the street, all sorts of situations. Now in his fifth league, he's seen most of the teams and defensive coordinators in the league. Now it's just time to go play. And I just think he's looser and faster and more confident. And, you know, the contract situation's all settled. And now it's just about winning ball games and being a leader for the team. I just think we're through all those new circumstances and those uncharted situations you maybe face as a professional, both on the field, off the field, in the media, in the locker room. We've seen it all with Carson Wentz through four years. Mm. I don't feel like there's anything new for this kid. And even just to take a microcosm, Fran, you were talking about the blitz session today. All sorts of blitzes out there, and he just seemed fine. He seemed unfazed out there. Yeah. And I just think that's a interesting microcosm to how he is and just being cool, calm, collective. And you know what? Whether it's a defensive blitz or, you know, a media question, there's nothing new for this kid anymore. Even though he hasn't technically won a playoff game, think back to the last quarter of 2019, where again, it's Greg Ward, Rob Davis. Deontay Burnett, you know, it's all these young receivers come up from the practice squad. It's a rookie running back in Miles Sanders. It's Boston Scott who was on the practice squad. And somehow you have two come from behind wins, one in overtime against the Giants. You have that last minute touchdown throw to Greg Ward to beat Washington in Washington with the season on the line. You beat Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, you know, at the link to get the win there. They get seven touchdowns, no interceptions in those final four games. I mean, he he threw a team that probably shouldn't have gotten to the postseason on his back and found a way. He found a way to get that team, to will that team into the playoffs. So now that you have healthy core coming back, he's healthy and in the right frame of mind. You don't want to use a cliche, the sky is the limit, but I cannot wait to see what he's going to do because I think what's helping also is at this time last year, the Eagles were like the Super Bowl pick. Everyone thought that this was like the best team in football. This is a team that's going to dominate. This offense is going to be unbelievable. You don't have that hype surrounding this team. I think everyone respects this team and expects this team to be good. And I think league insiders and people who know realize the Eagles are going to be a good team, a veteran team as the one team with the same coaching staff and most of the core pieces coming back when you don't have the offseason because of the pandemic. But I, I just think that you don't have that additional pressure. And that the, like you said, Ben, the contract situation was out of the way. That was fresh last year. Right. I, all I the mean, pressure, the expectations. We've been all. through it all. I feel like life is just getting easier for Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. We're getting younger, more explosive weapons. The offensive line is getting healthy and ironed out. Obviously, Brandon Brooks, tough situation. But I just feel like Carson Wentz's life as a quarterback on and off the field are just getting easier for him. I'm excited for his fifth year. Well, guys, uh, I kind of want to put the, the offense to bed. I guess first, uh, C-Mac, any takeaways? that I mentioned that Doug Peterson spoke with the reporters on Thursday morning. You know, anything uh, big takeaways that you want to uh, share with us? I wish I had touched on this when I was doing the injury rundown, but Doug is not concerned. I'm not concerned about any of the injuries with regard to lingering into the early portion of the regular season, so that's good news there. Expect Friday's practice to be the first live session. Everybody's been talking about the pads been on this week, but when is there going to be a live tackling to the ground session? I expect that to be on Friday. That's what Doug said. Five players, okay, five players who have stood out to Doug this point. The three rookie receivers who we've talked about already, Rager, Hightower, and Watkins. 
an offensive lineman who Brandon Graham called Jake, Jack Driscoll. Jack Driscoll, yep. Okay. And Michael Jaquette, the rookie free agent defensive back. So unprompted, Doug Peterson giving the rookie free agent defensive back a little bit of love there. I thought for sure that fifth name is going to be Sean Bradley or maybe Kayvon Wallace, who have shown up each day. Interesting yeah. pick there uh, in Jaquette. So uh, I want to let that transition now in some of the defensive guys that have really kind of continue to just stand out. Two young defensive linemen, and Sharif Miller, who's in his second year, continues to do nice things every single day. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned on, on this podcast over the last couple of days, like he'll make a play in a run period, and you'll hear like his teammates yelling, like, All right, there you go, Reef, there you go, Reef. You hear Connor Barwin, uh, who's with on the Eagles staff this year, yelling and coaching Sharif up, just kind of urging him on. He, got, he made some nice plays in the, in the run game today, had a tackle for loss, then got a sack late in the day of Carson Wentz. So Sharif Miller doing some good things. You know, Fran, I just think the expectation, particularly from early to mid-round pass rushers, is absolutely unreal in the NFL. And some guys have exploded on the scene, you know, like the Bosa brothers and Von Miller that set those expectations. But that's a learn-on-the-job position. And it takes a year or two to get under your belt and get comfortable. And, you know, he obviously was a little disappointed with his rookie campaign last year, but you're really starting to see him play faster and things are clicking. And I know the fans really had high expectations for the mid-round draft pick, but we have to be a little patient with that position. There's some freaks that showed up in the NFL right away and dominated. That's not typically how it goes. Yeah, and then another guy along the defensive line, another player who was acquired during the 2019 NFL draft was Hassan Ridgeway, who the Eagles traded for from the Indianapolis Colts. Came in and put some nice stuff on film last season. We talked about him a couple days ago when he stepped in for Malik Jackson during his day off and how he had a really good day. That continued today, working with the first-team unit uh, next to Malik Jackson with Fletcher Cox on the sideline. This time in team periods, got home, got home for a couple of sacks. Uh, you know, obviously they're you know two-hand touch sacks, uh, if that, uh, on the quarterback. but. Just showing that quickness, showing that ability to, to win quickly and get into the backfield. Ridgeway just continues to, to make impressive plays. Um, it's good to be able to see that, that depth, that defensive tackle, you know, obviously with everybody healthy, you know, with Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, but with Hassan Ridgeway as the fourth D tackle, like no team in the league has that depth on the interior. No one. No, Makes you feel pretty we're... good knowing that's, that's DT5 or DT6 on the team. And right. it's a position that's pretty often tested. And even when they are all healthy, you know they're going to rotate in, you know, a good 20, 30 snaps to that second group, no matter what the situation is, third down, goal line, whatever. When the second team is ready to go in, it's their time. And you know uh, Jim Schwartz is going to give snaps to, to that second and third team. I, I wonder if that rotation is fully healthy. Do we see guys like Malik Jackson – work out at his end you know do we see him line up because he has that experience he has that in his toolbox so you know does Jim Schwartz and Matt Burke the new defensive line coach run game coordinator do they kind of uh work that in as well the way we've seen guys like Benny Curry and BG slide inside yeah I think that you know and Jim Schwartz I think talked about this a couple of weeks ago might have been last week where uh you know if you go back to when I was in Detroit I found ways to get three defensive tackles on the field I think there are ways especially with some of those five over five fronts Ben that that we've seen the Eagles use in the past like if you're just looking to create one-on-one matchups like who cares who those bodies are you know Minnesota (laughs) and Mike Zimmer like they'll throw three linebackers and a D and two D tackles on the line of scrimmage Uh, whatever it is you're just trying to create matchups wouldn't shock me if you saw some kind of looks like that hey really quick if we're talking creative use pass rush schemes What's Jannard Avery been looking like this summer, Fran? Is he hanging with the off-ball backers? Is he a defensive end? I know he's really just a situational chess piece pass rusher for Jim Schwartz last year. 
so he's working with defensive ends for sure. And you'll see him with obviously that quickness. I mean, all the athletic yeah. traits certainly there. You see his range to be able to chase plays to the sideline. He's getting reps working in with the first unit, with the second unit. So he's right there, you know, in that mix and all the different packages they're they're using. So Jannard Avery uh, certainly seems to be in the mix. You know, not, I see I, him walking out of the tunnel with Brandon Graham most mornings. So that's always a good sign. Be as close to that kid as uh, as he can. Yeah, no question about it. I'll tell you what, one guy that I feel like we haven't talked enough about, and that's on me because he's stacked multiple good days together, is Nikel Roby Coleman, the, the starting slot corner right now, working with the first-team defense. He's also rotating in with the backups on the outside, kind of showing off a little bit of that versatility. Nikel Roby Coleman had two pass breakups down, down the field today, like 20, 30, 40 yards downfield against Deshaun Jackson. One was in a team period way, way downfield on the opposite sideline, and one was in one-on-one drills where he did not panic with the ball in the air against the best deep threat maybe in NFL history, was able to get his hands through the catch point and get the ball on the ground. He's done a really, really nice job so far. Every opportunity, he's made pass breakups in the middle of the field, uh, but the two today down the field against DJX, uh, I thought were very, very impressive. Just a very underrated addition by the Eagles. And, and if you look at – Obviously, you bring guys like Chris Long on that defense in 2017 when they won the, the Super Bowl. Tim Jernigan comes to mind. But Patrick Robinson, okay, obviously one of the heroes of that defense. You think about the pick six, which really turned the tide in the NFC Championship game. But really, you thought he rejuvenated his career with the year that he had working on the inside. And Craven LeBlanc, I mean, that's the thing is you have two guys who are experienced at that position, bring a lot of talent to the position. That's obviously a starter-level position. You want to make sure you have quality depth there, and the Eagles certainly have that now with Roby Coleman along with LeBlanc in the mix. He's played a lot of snaps, Fran, especially in that AFC East with the Bills back in the day, having to guard Julian Edelman and Jarvis Landry of the Dolphins, then over to the Rams the last two years. He's played a lot of football. There's nothing he hasn't seen. You know, with Cravon LeBlanc there on the inside as well, he has played both inside and outside. He's had a good camp too so far. Like, he's going to make it very, very difficult because you look at that quarterback group, you, you can argue six, seven of those guys have definitely played really, really well so far, you know, well enough to make the team. It's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, real quickly, guys, two other rookies I want to hit on today that just made some big plays. Kayvon Wallace, two pass breakups in team periods today. One in the very first period, one I believe in seven-on-seven, seven, where he kind of undercut a throw for a running back. Again, keeps making plays. Had a diving interception two days ago on Tuesday. Had pass breakups earlier in the week as well. So he's you know constantly around the football. He's played in the post. He's played down low, closer to the line of scrimmage. So he keeps making plays. And then First time we've talked about him yet, uh, Davion Taylor, diving pass breakup. It was a seven-on-seven drill. The Eagles were in an empty set offensively. Adrian Killens, the running back, was slid all the way outside, and he ran a vertical route. And Davion Taylor ran step for step with him, and Killens ran, what did, what did he run, Ben? What did he, like, was he like 4-3, 4-3-9, something like that? Uh, Davion Taylor went step for step, full extension, laid all the way out, got the ball on the ground, 25, 30 yards downfield. It was a really, it was a really athletic play from the rookie linebacker. Well, talk to me real quick, Fran, about the pecking order of Kayvon Wallace, a guy that wore a lot of hats at Clemson. Is he playing behind Roby Coleman? Is he behind Jalen Mills at that strong safety position? He could wear a lot of hats. I was just wondering if he's being cross-trained at multiple positions or, hey, you're a rookie. Learn this spot first and foremost. Yep. He looks like he's a backup to, like, Jalen Mills, Will Parks in that strong safety role. As I, we talked about a little bit yesterday, 
that role is a little bit more interchangeable, I feel, than, than in years past. So, uh, you know, for that reason, we've seen him kind of in the, you know, back playing deep as a single high player, but then also uh, down over tight ends and over backs. The, the first pass breakup was against Josh Perkins, you know, at tight end. So, you, you know, you see the way that he's being able to u- be used. I've seen him matched up on receivers in the slot as well. Uh, he's given up some catches in that area, but we've seen Kayvon, I would say, seems to be in the you know, depth chart wise behind Jalen Mills, Will Parks, working with Rudy Ford, the other backup safety there at that strong safety spot. And when it comes to Taylor, I mean, that was his calling card at yep. Colorado. That's what you guys talked about week in and week out on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA, you know, leading up to it was that fluid athleticism that he brings and these track star Colorado. Uh, I, I forget if he what, won the, the 100 meters or was like was like a top four finisher. Something like that for the 100 meter, yeah. Yeah, you know, ridiculous athlete, showed it off throughout his career there. It, it's just a matter of can he translate it to the NFL. So it's not a surprise when you say he's running step for step. That's what he can do. It's can he how long will it take to, to learn the nuances of the position and to be and able I, to read the underneath stuff? And I also wouldn't be surprised to see some different linebacking groups, maybe a base package with like a TJ Edwards, Duke Riley, Nate Gary, and then Davion Taylor maybe sliding into that more appropriate sub package role, using a little bit more of the athleticism, expecting to, you know, drop in coverage and play in space a little bit more. He's probably suited to be on that nickel and dime package. So last thing I want to hit you with, and Ben, I want, to, I want to go to you with this because you and I have been big fans of TJ Edwards going back to his days at Wisconsin. I, I remember you, know, you and I both watched him as a junior. We watched him as a senior and then obviously watched him last summer uh, as an undrafted free agent. Why can't he be for this defense what Nigel Bradham has been? You know, like it's, it's not, you know when you talk about skill set and strengths and weaknesses and what the guys are good at, why can't he do a lot of the same things that Nigel Bradham has done throughout the career? They're built a little bit differently. But it's not like it's a huge drop-off in terms of athleticism and movement. Like, I I feel like they can do a lot of the same things in that defensive scheme. Well, you know, I think a lot of that is based on experience and the instincts and putting yourself in the right position with the eye discipline and taking proper angles. I mean, Nigel Bradham wasn't an elite athlete by any standards, but I think he was an experienced player with good instincts. And at the end of the day, both very, very tough players guys that can handle themselves in space, fight off blocks from offensive linemen. And any times you can fend for yourself and you don't have to be schemed a certain way, like maybe you're an undersized athletic linebacker and you have to be kept clean, but you have that foot speed. I just think he's a very well-rounded linebacker in the run, in the pass. The only thing that he lacks is just those testing numbers. He didn't run 4-6 like a lot of the linebackers that you want to see in today's NFL. But the instincts, the eye discipline, the experience – the toughness, not only taking blocks, but finishing ball carriers between the tackles to the perimeter. Sniffing out that screen yesterday, I think, is exactly what T.J. Edwards can bring to the defense with his mind, his instincts, his angles. And, yeah, he could survive with that 4-8 speed. It's going to be, to me, really interesting to just watch uh, these young linebackers and you know how they're deployed this year. Obviously, Nate Gary seeing a lot of starting time. Last season, he returns, bring in Duke Riley at the deadline or early in the season last year to, to be a part of that as well. I've got high hopes for TJ Edwards here this fall. Well, guys, thanks again, once again, for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We will, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. we got some tackling tomorrow, it looks like. We'll talk about it right here on the show.
Great stuff from Ben and Chris. You could follow on Twitter just like I do at Ben Fennel underscore NFL and at CMAC Eagles. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way. Let's go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. I will answer it here on the show. You can be right at the front of the line. Look, we're in the thick of things now in the middle of training camp. The pads are on. Hitting, I believe, is going to start tomorrow on Friday. So I'm excited to be able to see that up close. If you've got questions, I've got answers. Go on our Apple Podcast page. Leave us that question, and I will answer it here on the show. Thanks so much to Ben, to Chris, all of you out there listening for all the continued support of this show and all of our other podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I am Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.